Titus chapter 3, verse 12. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenus, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. Now here's the main point of this morning's message. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me, send greetings to you. Greet those with love in the faith. Grace be with you all. Grace be with you all. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that we are a church, much like the church at Crete, in desperate need of pastoral wisdom to live godly lives in a very pagan, in a very lost culture. Lord, my heart is that you would send revival, that your spirit would come first in our lives and change us. That we would become men and women trained by your grace to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. Oh, Father, you know how ungodliness and worldly passions war in my own heart, both privately and at times publicly. Lord, I need your grace to train and teach me to say no to that. But at the same time, Father, then to live a self-controlled and upright life, waiting for your return, understanding that I will give an account one day to you. So I pray that. Lord, empower us. At times we feel so weak. Oh, Lord, this morning, build your church. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, learn to devote yourselves to good works. Learn to devote yourself to good works that are fruitful for the kingdom of God. And if you have the copy of the notes, you will see that that is the height line. That is the headline of this morning's paper. Extra read all about it. Devote yourselves to good works that lead to a life that's fruitful for the kingdom of God. And as I begin this message, I would like to begin it with a testimony. I'd like to begin it with a testimony by a sister in the church who is very, very faithful. She would be the first one to tell you that she's not perfect. But I've seen God work in this woman's life over the last several years, and I've seen her learn how to devote herself to good works. And I want you to hear about one of those good works that God enabled her to do. So Cassie, if you are here, come on up. And David, if you are here, if you'd give us some, some juice here. Cassie Strauss is one of our outstanding single women. And so please, Cassie, this is home field advantage. Even though you're from California, we Floridians embrace you as one of ours. And just share how God has trained you and taught you uh, to devote yourself to good works. Okay, so read that testimony for us. Well, good morning. I was in great anticipation for the car wash that we had. I had held signs in the past, so I was preparing to do the same again. But what a delight when I arrived and Marco said, you're under the tent. 
Immediately he informed me of two women who had just dropped off their car and who were standing near the tents. Lord, help me. God, give me your words, I said as I scurried over to meet them. I greeted them, offered water, offered snacks, and I learned their names, Nilka and Melissa. Then the fun began. We sat down and started our general conversation, where they were from, how long they'd been in Miami, where Melissa went to school. This mother and daughter were very open, and they seemed comfortable sharing about our lives together. Nilka expressed surprise about the whole activity of a free car wash. Okay, Lord, this is your opening. Here we go. I sensed God's nudge that it was time to move from the small talk into the essential talk. I began to share that this group of people was from a church called Palm Vista Community Church and that it was our desire to serve the neighborhood by washing cars, washing cars for free. We want to demonstrate to people that there are things for free, that Jesus Christ gave his life freely for us. My friends, God was so faithful. Over the next few minutes, he gave me questions to ask them to draw us closer to the gospel. As I shared truths with Nilka and Melissa, they were receptive and responding back. I praised God that they were not antagonistic. Were they Christians already? I wondered. They were familiar with Christ and his death on the cross, and they attended a church. So typically, I would stop there. Okay, I guess we don't need to go any further. But the Lord said, spend some time and walk through the gospel with them. So we jumped into the How Good Are You booklet. God was working in their hearts and in mine too. As we spent time on each page, the Lord provided poignant questions to ask these two women. And each continued to share personal experience and personal beliefs. As we went through the gospel track, they were confirming the truths and agreeing with the need for Christ's death, his resurrection, and that he is the only one that can save us, that we cannot save ourselves. There were multiple distractions throughout our conversation, including a sudden downpour that caused us to draw closer under the tent. Yet even with that, the Lord was still able to quiet our hearts and reveal to us again his glorious gospel and his kindness towards his children. So I shared Alpha with them. We took some time to pray, and then they left. And I was just left in awe, awe that God would allow me to be part of his work, that he would allow me to sit with these two women, total strangers to me, and yet talk of eternal matters together. So I would just say to pray for these women and people like them that we come in contact with for brief moments in time, uh, yet God chooses before eternity to allow these conversations to give glory to his son. Thank you. Amen. That was a wonderful job. Thank you. Today's message is about God doing that in different areas of the church in each one of us. It's not always in the area of evangelism, though that is a good work that many of us need to be more devoted to. I know I do. But it could be in the area of serving one another with needs, helping people move. Uh, recently, we've had uh, just a couple of trials. Some of our members have gone through real serious trials, and those in their home group have, have risen up to serve them, make some meals for them. It could be anything. It could be helping one another with our children. That's one of the reasons why I encourage you to come to the parenting seminar. Even though you may not have children that are still at home, 
uh, we all need to help one another, don't we? So that's what this sermon's about. That's what Scripture says. In fact, let's look at it again. Look at verse 14 of Titus 3. And let our people, Cassie would represent our people, learn to devote themselves to good works. She learned to devote herself to that good work by going to the Proclaim evangelism course. We're going to have it again next year. She learned how to devote herself to good works by going to Dade for Christ, where my brother Jose Sanchez spent Tuesday evenings training singles primarily, and then they go on campus to Miami-Dade North, and they give out free water, and they share the gospel. She stirred herself up. She trained for this. And why? So as to help cases of urgent need, finishing verse 14, and not be unfruitful. Dear friends, my heart for you this morning is this, that your life would not be unfruitful. So many of us live our lives as if it were one big credit card with no bill due at the end. You know what I mean? Have you ever seen people that use their credit card as if they'll never have to pay it? I do that sometimes. Now, why they gave me a $30,000 credit limit, I'll never know. Well, I do know, because they want to trap me in the bondage of high debt with insane interest rates. But it would be stupid of me to take that credit card and use it, forgetting that one day, actually probably less than 29 days later, a piece of paper will arrive at my home and say, Mr. Pino, we hope you enjoy that 400-inch high-definition LCD TV because you now owe us $5,453.24. However, your minimum payment is $3, because we want you to carry the debt forever and pay us $50,000 worth of debt on the $5,000 LCD TV, right? Okay. Folks, folks, one day, the way you live your life, the bill will come due. And it's the day you stand and look at Jesus in the eye. It will happen. It will happen. My desire for you is that when that day comes, you would hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. None of us are perfect. I'm far from it. But I, 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 I appeal to you as you listen to this passage. Let the grace of God teach you how to live a life that is wise, devoted to good works, in light of his return, and us giving account of our lives to him one day. If you look at your notes, that very first point says, learn to devote yourselves to good works. I want to remind you of a scripture that we read just two weeks ago. It's in actually Titus chapter 3, the very same chapter, verse 8. And it says this, the saying is trustworthy And I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. And then I want to go back a little further to the previous chapter, to chapter 2, verse 14. And this is what it says there. Who gave himself for us, that's speaking of Jesus, to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. So in the span of two chapters, you have three times 
God telling us the same thing. Devote yourself to good works. Be zealous for good works. Hey, Pastor uh, Titus, teach your people too. Do, be devoted to, learn how to do good works. I think that's important. Now, what I want to tell you is this. In front of the first two of those admonitions, before the Titus 2.14 admonition to devote yourself or be zealous to good works, and before the Titus 3.8 admonition or command to devote yourself to good works, you know what Paul does? He lays out the gospel. He says this, Jesus died for you, though you do not deserve it. Jesus bore the penalty that you and I deserve. Jesus took the wrath that you and I deserve. Therefore, devote yourself to good works. So I'm here to tell you, as a big sinner, saved by grace, that I want us to join together because of what Jesus did, devote ourselves to good works. And if you have never experienced the saving faith of Jesus Christ, what the Bible calls justification, if you have not experienced your sins totally forgiven and God's wrath totally taken from you and the assurance that that is yours and that your standing with God is certain, that's a point-in-time event. If you've not experienced that, then this this morning, I, I, I pray, open your hearts. God's speaking to you. Experience it. Run to Jesus. Hit your knees and say, Oh, Lord, I look to you as my Savior. I trust you and your righteousness, not my own. God, you are my Father. And then if you have experienced that, now we all get to walk this process of learning how to devote ourselves to good works. Oh, friends, at times I think I'm the least qualified to preach to you. But at other times, I think, no, I think I'm probably most qualified because I'm the biggest sinner amongst you. <laughs> Saturday morning, I'm talking with my wife. Have I told you about our kitchen countertops? Have I, have I shared with you about that? The years that we're working through getting them right? Have I, have I told you about that? <laughs> have I told you that I struggle with anger? <laughs> well, it's a long story, and I'd love to tell you, but... I don't have the time, but I will condense it. Uh, my wife has dealt with getting our countertops changed now twice with very much a godly heart. I was doing pretty good until Saturday morning. <laughs> and we got granite countertops. We, we decided, let's go for granite. And, uh, and they look beautiful. But there's this one section that's just not right. Isn't that life? There's always just one section that's just not right, right? Like the whole house could be perfect. But when, I, when you walk in the house, you look at the one section that's not right. I don't know if you're like that, but I'm like that, right? And so my wife said, honey, I don't know if now's the right time to tell you. <laughs> but it, it, it's still not right here. Could you call the man? Ooh. And guys, I'm just going to confess to you. I got angry. I got angry at my wife and my heart. I mean, I didn't yell at her. I got angry at the guy who put in the granite countertop. I got angry at everybody. Ultimately, and this is horrible sin. I mean, if biblically speaking, I got angry at God. I wasn't thinking that way, you know. I'm mostly thinking about the granite guy. And <laughs> Mr. Granite. And uh, 
Sad to say, and this is an ongoing thing, I'm going to have to resolve tomorrow. I, I, I called him. Uh-oh. And uh, I did not say anything rude, but I was not nice. I was not nice. And so I stand before you this morning saying, I know I'm saved. I know God is my Father, and I'm so glad that my, my uh, assurance of going to heaven isn't based on how I acted yesterday. But it's based on how Jesus acted his whole life on earth. And it's based on his death on the cross where he was torn asunder physically and where God's wrath was poured out on him. The wrath I deserve for my horrible attitude yesterday. And I know you're my daddy, Father, because of what Jesus did. And I'm assured of that. But I also suspect that daddy's not going to probably deal with his son tomorrow. I need some discipline. (laughs) I need to grow in righteousness because, you know, and it's happened in many things in my life, whether it's the car getting dinged up or our kitchen table getting scratched and like, how did that get scratched? We just bought it, you know, big scratch. And uh, it's like, it's just, that's where I'm at right now. Everything that I would buy or want or like is going to get damaged. Okay. It's just mark it down. I mean, the Gators even lost last night. Okay. All right. Let's just get that out of the way. Move it out of the way here. Who cares about that? There's no eternal significance to Gator football. That's right. See how godly I am? Uh, Anyways, I know this. God's changing me. Okay? But he wants me to devote myself so that when countertops that I paid a lot of money for aren't right, and I feel I'm not getting served the way I should, and I'm not being you know, treated the way I want, instead of calling up and leaving a terse, a tersely worded message. No cursing, okay? God is my witness. I didn't even really raise my voice, but my voice wasn't kind, and my heart was angry. Okay, so I'm growing. This is what this is about. I'm learning to devote myself, and I want you to do the same. Because you know what, friends? When I used that credit card yesterday... The bill does come due. Because the Bible tells me that a man will reap what he sows. Do not be, God is not mocked, says Galatians 6, 7. A man reaps what he sows. So it says, sow to the Spirit. Now again, I'm not talking about my standing before God because that's in Christ. I can't be any more righteous than I am because I'm in Christ and Christ is perfect. But it does talk about my growth and maturity as a man. And I, I do believe it talks about eternal reward. And it definitely talks about how it affects my family and even you as a Christian, as a fellow Christian. So I believe this scripture is saying to Alpino, Alpino, learn to be righteous. Learn to say no to the things God wants you to say no to. And to say yes to the thing God wants you to say yes to. That's what that first bullet point there says. It is God's grace that teaches us or trains us to devote ourselves to good works. What's going to change Alpino from a selfish man who gets angry when he doesn't get what he wants is the grace of God. Read it with me. You can read it silently. I'll read it out loud. I've placed two versions of the same passage there for you to read. This is Titus 2, 11 through 14 in your notes. For the grace of God that brings salvation, has appeared to all men. What is that talking about? It's God's grace that justifies me. That's point in time. The grace of God has appeared. It appeared in Jesus. It brings salvation for all men, those who are called of God. 
Hallelujah. But it doesn't end there. Verse 12. And I'm reading from the NIV, which is the first of the two passages. It teaches us to say no to anger at the granite man when the granite's not right. Oh, yes, it does. That's not a little thing. That's a big thing. If I can learn to win there, I can learn to say no to even bigger things. Lust of the eye. Temptation to adultery. Temptation to, to, to robbing and stealing and lying on my taxes. Or, or, or fill in the blank. Whatever one we all are tempted with. And we're usually tempted with many things. Particularly in Crete, modern day Crete. But if I can learn there, if God's grace can teach me there, the same grace that saved me is the same grace that sanctifies me. Sanctify is just the big word for changing me. So I live reality. So I don't just say I'm a Christian, but I'm beginning to live like one. That's good news for Alpino on Sunday after he blew it on Saturday. (laughs) Oh, yes. Verse 12, it teaches me to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live what? A self-controlled, upright, and godly life in this present age. Now skip down to the ESV. You know what? Don't skip down. Stay up in the NIV. Verse 13, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You're asking me, Al, where's the gospel there? This just looks like do-goodism. This looks like moralism. This looks like I have to be good to make it to heaven. Oh, no, friend. Look at verse 14. Jesus Christ is speaking of who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his own, that are his own, not my own. That countertop doesn't belong to me. It belongs to Jesus. I'm his. Everything I have is his. I've acted as if I were God, ruling from my throne. Fix the countertop, or I will slay you with my scepter, my words. I will rule you. It's like, who are you, buddy? (laughs) The guy probably will never call me back. (laughs) I wouldn't call me back. Maybe he will. I'll tell you next week. (laughs) who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness, the kinds of stuff that I'm just illustrating from yesterday, and to what? Purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Now jump down to the ESV translation. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Look at the word they use there, training us. You see those two words? That Greek word can be translated either training, okay? Like you would train Lift weights, get strong, train. If only the Gators would have trained a little bit better, they would have won last night. Man, did they ever make some mistakes last night. Let me not get into it. All right, training us, training us. It teaches us and it trains us. I need to be taught, I need to be trained. Trained in what? To renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age. Oh, dear friends, God has a curriculum for us. God has a curriculum for us. And the question is, are we paying attention to God's curriculum? I'm going to use the metaphor of teaching. I'm going to use the metaphor of a teacher. And God has a spirit-born curriculum to teach us to deny ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. And in your notes, God's school of grace so to speak, is in session. Are you present? How is it in session, Al? What is God's curriculum to teach us? Well, look in your notes. 
Underneath where it says, are you a good student of God's grace? Here are some questions for you to see whether you're present in God's school of grace or you're an absent or truant student. <laughs> Number one, do you devote time to daily seeking God through scripture reading, prayer, and singing about his grace in Christ? I have an iPod. I can't sing at all. If I sang, you would all flee this room right now. But in the morning, there's no one around. I put the earphones in, and I sing of God's grace. In the mornings, when we sing for 45 minutes or 40 minutes, what we're doing is stirring ourselves up because our minds are filled with garbage when we get here on Sunday morning. Mine is worries, concerns. It's raining. Why is it raining? It's Sunday. God, why does it rain on Sunday? Because I'm God, and I want to give rain to the earth. Yeah, but it messes up my agenda. God, it's church. I'm just being honest with you, okay? So when I get in here, ah, Lord, I don't feel so well. You know, my head hurts a little bit. Ah, this place is kind of dank and musty. I mean, these, are, I'm, these thoughts are going through my head as I'm sitting here, you know? You know, what was the first song we sang? It was that hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Great is Thy Faithfulness. All these thoughts are going through my head, you know? So it's a fight. God's got to train me, just like in sports or in boxing. You're going to fight somebody. Here come the punches. Stupid thoughts, selfish thoughts, doubtful thoughts, fearful thoughts, whatever your thoughts are. And then God trains me. All right, Al, sing. Sing of my grace. This is the reality that's important. All that other stuff is going to go. This is true. And you know what? By like the second song, man, truth has captured my heart. But it's a fight. It's easy to float down the river of lies and selfishness and, and self-talk that is depressing and just full of darkness. And you go, no, I'm swimming upstream with truth. That's what I mean by training. But you've got to do that every day. If you're just doing it Sunday morning, Wednesday night, or you don't go to home group, you're just doing it Sunday morning, you're going to go down. You're going down, baby. <laughs> okay? You've got to do it every morning. Next question. Do you meaningfully participate in God's grace classrooms available to you on Sunday mornings, church service, Wednesday night home groups, singles and youth parent meetings? In addition to personally seeking the Lord, God wants us to corporately participate in the life of God because this morning when Miguel was leading us in the reading of Psalm 23, I needed that. I needed that. Not only did I, I had a quiet time this morning. I was in Galatians this morning. It was hard this morning. I was tired. I got to bed really late last night because I stayed up and watched that stupid game. And, uh, and so I got up this morning early. Actually, the, the, the lightning and the thunder woke me up this morning. And it was like a light show in my room, you know. And so, whoa. And so I got up and I, and I, I read the word and, and I sang. You know what? It wasn't the same as when I got here this morning and I, and I sang with you guys. I need that. I need that. I need Wednesday night. You need, you need to go Wednesday night and apply this message with a bunch of folks that know you and you know and can tell if you're telling the truth or not. Because <laughs> I need someone to ask me about Mr. Granite Man on Wednesday. Because I'm looking all righteous this morning, but <laughs> just have Mr. Granite Man call me back and not tell me what I want. Okay? I need that. I need that. Why? Because the bills come and due. I will stand before God one day and give an account. And then number three, do you participate in Outreach Lab 101? You see that there? Outreach Lab 101. What is Outreach Lab 101? Here it is. Jesus gave his life for me. 
Jesus loved me. Jesus forgave me. Now Jesus calls me to give my life for others. Jesus calls me to forgive others. Jesus calls me to be merciful to others. You know how you can give your life away? There's many ways to do it. Some of you do it by serving others with making meals for them when there's a trial in their life or helping people move in or praying for people, so forth. But there's a real good way to give your life away, and that's outreach. Let me just encourage you to pray about this. We don't expect everyone to go to these. We don't. But think about it. Dade for Christ. Uh, It's in your master calendar. Go one night. Give someone a free bottle of water. Ask them if they would like to talk about the Lord. This Saturday, we're going to do a very simple outreach at 10 in the morning, right by Master's Vineyard, which is on 186th Street in about 75th place, the Gallery Streets Shopping Center. There's a Wendy's and all sorts of stuff there. It's where the bookstore is that, that Jose owns, Master's Vineyard. We're just going to get a bunch of free water and just go around and give it to people on a hot day and say, can we share with you? It's uncomfortable. But it's laboratory, right? Remember when you took uh, chemistry? You know, you, you learned it, then you blew things up in the laboratory, right? Some of us did? Okay. You know, you got to dissect the frog and whatever, organic, whatever it is, biology, I don't know, whatever it is. Okay, so it's a laboratory, all right? I paid attention, right? It's a laboratory. Are you availing yourself of that? Even Alpha, guys. Alpha's not over. Grab someone and come on Thursday night at 6.30. Get some free pizza at Papa Leone's. It's in that same, same shopping center. And come to Alpha. We had a great Alpha last Thursday. It was, an, it was wonderful. You know, it's not just for, for unbelievers. It's for young believers. And it's even for mature believers that just want to learn more. I mean, it was wonderful, the questions that were asked and the discussion we had. Here's the point. Our final exam will not come on this earth, but it will come when we face Christ in eternity. So the question I have for you is what you are doing eternally profitable or fruitful? Remember remember the propositional statement of the sermon. Learn to devote yourselves to good works that are fruitful for the kingdom of God. Is what you're doing have eternal significance? Now I'm not saying you can't ever do things that you enjoy that might not have eternal significance. I watch Gator football. I love it. There's nothing wrong with that. But if the bulk of my life is centered around what I want to do, what I like, my interests, my hobbies, my things, then it loses an eternal significance. It's like charging up that credit card to where you max it out at $30,000. And then somehow we're surprised when the bill comes. (gasps) How'd that happen? (laughs) Look around your house. All the things you don't like anymore because they don't look like the way you thought they'd look or they're broken. (laughs) You now owe. I don't want you to live your lives that way. I don't want you to live your lives that way. Okay? So, if we're not going to live our lives that way, what do we do? Well, that next point in your notes. Live a life that is fruitful for the kingdom of God. Does your life have eternal significance? Or do you spend your life, and this is how I define your life, your time, your talents, and your treasures. Do you spend your lives like a drunken sailor on shore leave, okay? Just spend without any limit. Pursue my dreams. You can be all you want to be with no regard to what God says is important. How do you spend your life? I would suggest that you do the following. There's 
Three bullet points under that. Live a life that is fruitful for the kingdom of God. The first bullet point. Humbly walk in integrity with those in your home group. Oh my. That's a good work to devote yourself to. Second bullet point. Look for opportunities to serve others in the church. And third bullet point. Boldly ask God for opportunities to share the gospel with those outside the church and sacrificially serve them. Let's go to the application questions. Folks, God has called us to learn how to devote ourselves to good works. Let me just review that for you again. Verse 14 of Titus 3. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. Here are five application questions that you desperately need to go through. The way I grow is by asking questions of the people closest to me, writing down their observations, and then asking God for the help to change. Yesterday was my birthday. I turned 51. So I gathered my family around in the morning, and I said, all right, kids, wife, uh, we actually had a teleconference with one of my daughters because she up and got married to this tall, skinny guy over here, you know, and <laughs> he took her away to Miami Springs, so I don't know. Still a little bitter about that now. I'm, I'm joyful about that, and I praise God for you guys. Thank you for serving God. And I'm looking forward to lunch today with you guys. But I got everybody around the table. I said, all right, guys, here's the two questions for your daddy. Since last year, where have I grown? The, where have you seen growth? By God's grace. Second question, and... What area would you say, Daddy, I love you so much, you're doing great, but if you could change one thing. <laughs> and so I just wrote them down. Stephanie, she sh- I'm not going to share them all. <laughs> There's a lot. Got, got whole hard drives, you know, thumb drives are just stacked up in my... <laughs> Stephanie, Joey, Desi, Mindy, and then it was funny because I think Nessie called right as we were finishing. So I, said, I put her on speakerphone, I said, all right, Vanessa, you're part of this too, come on and, And so it was uh, impromptu. But she did. She had some observations. And they were to the point, and they were helpful. That's that's all these application questions are, is getting serious about change. Listen, God saved you for the grace of God that brings salvation to all men. It's appeared. If he hasn't, I appeal to you, please, respond to it. But then he's going to now sanctify you. He's going to start changing you. And the way we change, we have to learn how to devote ourselves to good works. So, application question number one. What priority does the gospel hold in your life? And I just give you a a scripture there. We read it earlier. Take a moment to review the gospel by reading Titus 3, 4 through 7. You might take one day and do that in your quiet time. Question two. What priority does God's church hold in your life? Take some time to review the church master calendar and how you might learn to devote yourself to God's people. You should have received a master calendar several weeks ago. If you didn't, I had some ushers floating around asking you if you wanted another one. There were five new dates. We just simply added to that one. Okay, there were outreach dates that I didn't have yet. But devote yourself to these things. Also, beginning next Sunday, 
you don't have this, but I'm gonna, we're going to start a series on the people of God. Remember how it says in Titus 2, 11 to 14, Jesus gave himself to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a what? A people for God's own possession. So for the next pretty much three months, October, November, and almost all of December, we're going to go through a series. We're entitled it God's People Under God's Rule. God's People Under God's Rule. Do you know that Jesus redeemed you not just out of something, but into something? And guess what he redeemed you into? Us. Eek. <laughs> heaven on earth not quite but you know it's the church all right and it's what god's doing on earth so we're going to do this whole series on the church is the church important to you does it hold the priority that it holds in god's heart for you again i can tell you whether it does or not if you show me your right calendar and your checkbook okay you guys been there you guys can preach that one for me All right, number three. What priority does God's mission hold in your life? What is God's mission? Make disciples of all the nations. Preach the gospel. Teach them all that Jesus commanded you. Take a moment to review Paul's prayer in Colossians 4, 2 through 6. Great prayer for evangelism. And then ask God to fill you with the Spirit. You know, that's why the Spirit is given, that we would be bold witnesses, Acts 1, 6. That you would boldly invite those in your world to experience the grace of God that he has given you in Christ. Number four. This is the key one, guys. This is Wednesday night application. Share with those in your home group how God is teaching you to devote your life to good works that are eternally fruitful and ask for help. Ask for help. And then number five, anticipate our series on the church and your participation in our Mission Sunday. For those of you who are visiting or perhaps aren't members yet, we do a Mission Sunday every year. Why? Because Palm Vista doesn't exist for Palm Vista doesn't exist for Alpino or Corey Smidgen. This may shock you. It doesn't even exist for you. It exists for God. And it exists for God's mission. And we've just found that it's good. It's biblical. The Bible is filled with examples of churches partnering together. And so we partner with a group of churches called Sovereign Grace Ministries. And what I want you to pray about two weeks from today is, if you're a member of Palm Vista, please pray about this. What would God call you to financially give above your tithe, above your tithe, to the mission fund. That mission fund has provided over $200,000 for this church to spearhead our efforts in a certain country just to the south of us. That mission fund is, you're going to find out, is, is providing money to build a Latin American pastor's college in Mexico. That mission fund is going gonna, is gonna to fuel perhaps a South American pastor's college, maybe one day in Bolivia and La Paz with our good friend Johnny Duetti leading that. That mission fund is going to train pastors in India and Haiti. It's going to establish Spanish-speaking churches in Gaithersburg, Maryland with our good friend Joselo Mercado. It's going, it's going around the world to invest our money where the return is maximized in eternity. Now, you may not get what you want here necessarily, or you may even joyfully sacrifice some things. But let me tell you, eternally, you're building up something that you're going to enjoy forever and ever and ever. Amen. That's true. That's real. Even though it may not be what we feel, (laughs) it is real. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to preach this morning. I trust that by your spirit, Father, you would make it compelling 
Lord, I, I confess to you, I, I preach for a verdict. I believe it's the verdict your scripture calls us all to make, whether we will devote ourselves, actually whether we will learn how to devote ourselves to good works. Not because we're earning your favor. No, we already have that in Christ. But as a result of having your favor. So Lord, I pray my friends would hear this message and they would render a verdict. And that verdict would be, yes, Lord. And they'd bow their knees and their lives and their hearts to you and learn to live lives devoted to good works that are fruitful for your kingdom. Bless them now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for coming. You are dismissed. See you on Wednesday night.